BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. You know, I am not in a good place today. I actually, truth be told, have not been in a good place all week. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. It's 101 degrees. Actually, let me fact check myself. Hey, Google, how hot is it right now? Sorry, it's 97 degrees, according to Google. I am so sick of people saying they like summer. No, you don't. You're lying because every summer activity is outside. There's nothing that happens indoors. You're going to look at me and tell me you'd rather sit at a public pool full of Band-Aids and babies with poopy pants in 99-degree weather over a crisp October evening inside with the window cracked, homemade soup on the stove and bread in the oven, hocus-pocus queued up? No, you would rather it be October. I just don't. I, I don't believe people that say summer is better And then you know how people get like seasonal depression in the winter? I get that in the summer. It actually depresses me how hot it is. You can't do anything. You're uncomfortable all the time. You never look good. Anyway, I feel like summer is like a wedding. Like people only say they like it because they feel pressure to say that they like it. It's actually miserable when it comes down to it. So anyway, hi guys. Did I introduce myself yet? I'm Maddie. This is the Bad Broadcast. I imagine if this is your first time listening to me, you've picked up that I am an inspirational speaker of sorts. Just a different category where I actually demotivate you. The demotivation and bad attitude are in full effect today because I am absolutely speedballing on caffeine. I went to the gym today, which I enjoy. I I like working out, moving my body, all of that. But I had pre-workout. And I just have one question. How is this legal? I am standing here today to testify that there is cocaine in C4. I was doing wind sprints to each machine at the gym. I felt like Jose Consenco if he had just like snorted an Adderall. You know the trench bull practicing her shot put? Me, today. This is beside the point, but how do we not have all female gyms yet? And no, I don't mean curves. I don't mean like specialty classes. I mean just a normal gym where men are not there. I've never been hit on at the gym, so it's not about that. 
I wish I was one of those girls that was like, oh my gosh, I can't go to the gym because guys just hit on me all the time. Nope. That's never happened. That's never happened to me. I honestly, I have maybe been hit on like once in my life. I've never had a random guy come up to me and ask me for my number or like if I'm single. Maybe that's not something I should be broadcasting, but it's just true. So if you're out there and you're like, guys, don't hit on me, just know that you're not alone. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I want an all-female gym, not because guys hit on me, but I just feel like dudes think they take priority when it comes to gym equipment. They stand in front of machines they aren't using. They grunt really loud. They hoard the weights. They talk a lot. No exaggeration. At my old gym, there was a guy who would chant Trump train after he finished a set. Sir, I don't know how else to say this, but I would rather swallow a 30-pound weight than hear you speak ever again. Where was I going with this? I don't know. I also don't care. But here we are. You guys asked for longer episodes, and you know, I'm just going to say it now. Be careful what you wish for. I actually had a lot of questions recently about going off of meat. This was in my outline because so many people have been asking. It's been great. I feel great. We weren't huge meat eaters, so it wasn't a huge adjustment, but it has been really funny. It's been the weirdest social experiment to see people's reactions when I say I don't eat meat. Like it's affecting people in a deeply personal way. The most common question I get is, how are you getting enough protein? Well, for starters, I've never lived a day where I knew how much protein I ate. Never, never once, never tracked it. I guess if you're like into macros, then maybe, maybe you would know. Also, this is just straight from the medical journal of Maddie Murphy. But I feel like we are told to eat way more protein than is necessary. There was a dark time in my life where I was doing keto, kill me, uh, which is essentially just a diet of pure meat. And I had never felt worse in my whole life. I also didn't poop for 17 days, but I think I've already told that story. I also don't care if people eat meat. I'm, I'm not asking anybody to do anything different. I don't ask people to change what they're cooking if I go to their house for dinner. I just felt like taking a break from meat. So I did. There's no mystical reason. I'm not judging anybody. I mean, I'm not judging anybody for your meat intake. I just don't love meat. So I didn't want to eat it. But I appreciate, I think I appreciate people's concern for my protein consumption. All right. Well, now that we covered all of that, let's get into this week's love-hate segment. If you're new, this is how we start every episode. Three things I loved this week and three things I hated. Although usually most episodes are about things that I hate, but whatever. I like, I like categories. What can I say? So the first thing that I love, I love when public restrooms play really loud music. What is worse? What is worse than an absolutely silent public bathroom? Not when you're alone. It's one thing when you're by yourself and it's silent, but when there's other people in there and you're just, you're all waiting, you're all waiting for who's going to fart first, which somehow feels embarrassing when you're in the bathroom. I'm always worried that somebody's going to like look under the stalls and see my shoes and then find me later in the store and be like, that's the girl in the public restroom that I can recognize her from her shoes. Not that anybody's doing that, but I don't know. My, that's what my brain is telling me is happening. Yeah. I just feel like all bathrooms should play a loud noise, even white noise, even a fan, even have a really loud fan. I always want to do everybody a solid and like play music from my phone, but that somehow feels more annoying than the silence. I just don't know why bathrooms are made out of linoleum. I mean, I get it. It's easy to clean. I just feel like we probably could have developed something by now that is not the most echoey material on the planet. So anyway, I love bathrooms that play loud music. 
All right. The second thing I loved this week, this is going to come as a shock to pretty much every single person. I'm shocked that I participated in it as well, but I am reading a book. All right. I am reading a book. For the last few years, I have hated reading. I don't know why. Like every single time I try to read something, I hate it. And then it dawned on me. I only read self-help books. Like welcome to your late 20s where the only books recommended to you are either Brene Brown or they're by some psychologist about unpacking your childhood trauma. Those are the only books that are ever ever suggested to me. So finally last week I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a book that is just fiction. Like I'm just going to buy buy one. Somebody had recommended this to me. It's called it's called A Court of Thorns and Roses. Listen, it's high fantasy. And I just, you have to forfeit your dignity when you read these things, because I'm pretty sure there's a sex scene coming between a wolf and a person. So you just have to not cringe at yourself while you're reading it. But I really genuinely am enjoying it. Granted, I'm only like 80 pages in and that took me all week to get there. But I really am enjoying it. It, It's really popular. I think it's going to be made into a TV show. It was recommended to me by a couple people. And yeah, I, I am liking it. I'm liking it. I'm loving it. In fact, I read it every night. Like two nights ago, I stayed up late to read. Ew. Anyway, I really do like it. All right. The last thing on my love list for the week, this is going to be something that I know a million of you do. I know you guys all do it and I'm late to the game. I get it. Yesterday, I wrote my very first to-do list. I've never done that. I thought it was a joke. Like I thought people were joking when they said that to-do lists help them stay on track. I mean, wow. I could not believe what I accomplished. I'm going to do it again today. I loved it. Is it because I probably have undiagnosed ADHD? I would I would bet my life on that. But even still, I got this little notebook and I write my to-do list in it every day and it genuinely has helped me. I uh Don't know if this will come as a surprise that I have a bit of a problem staying on task. And it has helped me. Just if you're if you're in my boat where all of a sudden it's 4 p.m. and you haven't done anything for the day and you're like, well, I'll just remember to do it tomorrow. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, I'm so happy I have nothing to do today because you forgot all the stuff you're supposed to do the day before. A to-do list is great. Sorry, that one's kind of lame, but it just it really did help me. (laughs) It really did help me get everything I need to done. All right, now that now that those are out of the way, let's talk about our hates. Our hates, because we all collectively hate these things together. Right, guys? Right? Yep. Okay. Here's a little precursor, though. I want to talk about the word hate. Why is everybody so up in arms about it? Like, why is everybody so, so freaked out by saying they hate things? I hate so many things. So many things. You don't have to hate them, but I also don't want you to try to convince me to love them because I just hate them. You have things that you hate. And I think that's beautiful. I think that our mutual hatred of things is amazing. And uh, yeah, so don't don't come for me in my DMs. A lot of people do this. I mean, it, it's happened less now, now that, you know, we've been doing this for a while. But at the beginning, I would get emails and DMs that were like, I just wish you were a little more positive. No, that's not what we're doing here. There's a lot of positivity in the world. Go find it. It's not here. All right. First up, something I hate more more than I can even say is when you change your hair, you either dye it or you cut it or you get extensions or you change something and you go see somebody 
and you show them your new hair. And the first thing they say is, do you like it? That honestly, I just felt my stomach drop. Even just imagining that scenario. Like, what are you supposed to say to that? Well, yeah, I did like it until you made that comment. If you don't like somebody's hair, who cares? Tell them how much you love it. What are they supposed to do about it? Your best friend dyed her hair black and got extensions and you're going to judge her for it and make her feel bad? Cool. What is she supposed to do? Go change it for you? No. If somebody changes their hair, you should do nothing but hype them up. What's that old? I feel like there's like a, a rule of thumb. Like if somebody can't change it within five seconds, don't comment on it. Like if somebody has something on their teeth or like their zipper is down or something like that, like you can, you can correct that. But don't say, do you like it to their hair? Because then it puts them in a weird position. They can't say yes, because then they seem vain. And they can't say no, because then they're going to feel bad. So just don't say it. Oh my gosh, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've had like something happen to my hair and I've had to change it and I'm finally feeling good about it. And then somebody says, oh, do you like it? Well, not anymore. Thanks, Andrea. All right, number two on the hate list. Again, let me reiterate. I hate these things. If you like them, that's wonderful. I'm not going to try to change your mind and you're not going to try to change my mind, right? All right. The second thing I hate, I hate, (laughs) I hate choreographed wedding dances, like flash mobs. I, I cannot get through one minute of it. If it happens at a wedding I'm at, I must leave immediately. If it's in a video, I turn it off and I throw my phone into the ocean. I cannot handle choreographed wedding dances. And the thing is, is that I don't even think the people who do them like them. I really don't. Have you ever watched a groomsman's face when he's performing like an ironic sexy dance to single ladies? He doesn't want to be doing it. Okay. He, your, your guests don't want to watch it. Your groomsmen don't want to do it. Just refrain. Spend that extra time like getting drunk with your friends before your wedding. You don't need to learn a flash mob dance. Okay, number three, the third thing I hated this week. This has been around for a while. I've seen quite a few viral videos and TikToks of this, and I'm hoping you guys know what I'm talking about. I feel like some people will be like, oh, I've never seen that. But the ones who have seen it, you guys know. You guys know how bad this is. Those videos where they sing their order to like the Starbucks person or the Chick-fil-A employee. And they, you know, the ones where they're like, please, can I get a number one? I hate that. I I just gave myself the ick. I just gave myself the ick. If you also got the ick, I apologize, but I had to, I had to do some type of example. Oh, I hate them. I hate those videos so much. And the workers always just standing there like, wow, that was amazing. Like why? Like they're making minimum wage. That is not high enough for you to be singing to them. You should tip them extra or petition for them to make more money if you're wanting to do your own off-Broadway musical when you're ordering a Southwest chicken salad. All right, now that all of that is off my chest, it's time to discuss our topic for the day. Dr. Maddie returns. You guys submitted problems that you're having and I volunteered to give you advice. I'm not qualified to do this. However, I do care deeply for you all, so hopefully there will be some nugget of information that you can use. I did specify, however, that the advice might be terrible. 
just in case somebody takes it and it goes horribly. Then I don't have to feel any guilt. But let's get into your questions and my thoughts about them. So number one was, dear Dr. Maddie, ultimatums in a relationship? Yes or no? I'd normally be for no, but what if you really don't see it working out in the long run if X, Y, Z doesn't happen? So whenever I give dating advice, such as when I say if he wanted to, he would, I always get some pushback. Like, what about this or this? Like, I posted about um, if he wanted to, he would a couple days ago and somebody said, well, what if he has kids and he's busy? Of course, there's always going to be exceptions. I get that. However, I think that banking on exceptions is a very dangerous road. I think that we as women want our situation to be different. We want this guy to be the one who proves us wrong, who's different than everybody else, whatever. So I'm going to give a direct answer about the ultimatums and say, no, I don't think that they're healthy. Again, are there exceptions? Yeah. But generally speaking, especially when it's something that you're hoping he changes, Setting an ultimatum is is not it. It's not going to motivate him to do it, at least not sincerely. Maybe you'll get what you want because he wants you to be happy with him, but we all know that people don't change unless they want to. That's like the oldest rule in the book, right? And along with that, I think that an insincere change or like a performative change is worse than no change at all because it's just ammunition for a future problem. Say you really like want your boyfriend to go back to school or something. He may do it for you, but then what? Like you got your way, but he's probably annoyed and harboring it. And I don't necessarily think this is like a male, female thing. I think it's a human thing that when people put ultimatums on each other, I just don't, I don't think it ever works out. When people put ultimatums on me, it either pushes me further into not wanting to do it or I do it and I'm pissed and I hold a grudge. So I think that if you're in a relationship and what you need from your partner is going to entail a huge change or commitment on their end, talking to them about it, going over it, telling them why you need it and how you can both get there is going to be way more effective than like, hey, listen, if you don't do this or this by January, I'm breaking up with you. It just feels yucky. I don't know. I don't think it's a healthy dynamic for a relationship. I just have never seen something good come out of an ultimatum. Not in, not in my experience. All right. The next one says, dear Dr. Maddie, I love calling myself doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I have a, I don't even know if I have my associate's degree. I might. I went to eight years of college and still didn't get anything. All right. She says, how do I enjoy my life where it is right now instead of wishing for life to move on or missing the past? All right, I'm going to offer you some morbid advice that in some strange way helps me when I feel this way. You might die tomorrow. I mean, you probably won't, but you might. It is a dark, dark realization that we actually don't know how long our life will be. So I hate to be the person that's like, right now is all you have. But babe, right now is all you have. Also, the past, worse than you remember. I promise. The future might not even happen. So who cares? I used to do this when I was going through a breakup, but now I do it just when existence feels meaningless. So maybe it'll help you. I write a list of everything I love. Foods, TV shows, people, activities, places, drives, treats, all of it. And I make damn sure that I'm getting at least one of those in every single day. 
And I think that's how you love life. I think you just stuff all the stuff that you like to do into your days. And that's the only thing you can count on is doing something that day that makes you happy. Because, I mean, again, need I remind you, you might die tomorrow. All right. That was cheerful. Let's move on. Next up. She says, Dear Dr. Maddie, I need reassurance that it is totally okay not to go to college. There are very few topics I love more than talking people out of college, truly. It might be my toxic trait. Anyway, I understand that there are many, many, many lines of work that require a college education. Like, please don't try and intern your way to becoming a surgeon. Like, attend your anatomy classes. Thank you. I'm assuming you're not trying to be a neurologist. Otherwise, you'd probably recognize that you need a degree for that. So if you just need somebody to tell you that you can build a life and get your dream job and work in a field you love without a college degree, I am your girl. However, I think when you decide not to go to college, it is important to make sure you're not shortchanging yourself when it comes to experiences and opportunities and all of that. College kind of hands you those on a silver platter, like internship opportunities, meeting new people all the time, et cetera. So I think when you decide not to go to college, you should just have a plan of attack. This is what I wish I would have done. When I dropped out, I just decided to not try at anything and hope that things turned out the way I wanted them to. Spoiler alert, it actually took a lot of effort. So reach out to people you want to learn from, put yourself out there, meet new people, learn a lot about yourself and the field you want to go into. There's a path there. And I think that we aren't in the day and age where college is the only option. I don't know why that shocks people when I say that. It's just kind of the truth. We have access to so many things that I don't think that college is the only place to get experience. It's not like 1960 where college is the only place you can have access to a book. You want to know where my degree is from? YouTube. You can literally learn how to disarm a bomb and design a line of swimwear in the same hour. Who needs college? Not us. All right, next. This one's a little longer, so buckle up, everybody. She says, I am in love with my best friend. I'll call him Alex, so things make a little more sense. Alex and I met about four years ago, and after hanging out and getting to know him, we got super close. Whenever we hang out, he always ends up, we always end up on the couch cuddling, he calls me babe. He will usually bring me food whenever he goes out to eat, and he loves my family and gets along with my friends really well. Alex has unfortunately moved to a different state for work, and I haven't seen him since November. Despite this, Alex will call me once a week, and we chit-chat about life and dating and all those good things. Whenever I tell Alex that boys are dumb and another guy friend-zoned me, he makes it a point to tell me how amazing I am and how everyone is dumb for not holding on to that. He also jokes with me a lot about how sexy I am. I won't share specifics since they're inappropriate. Okay. Wow. He really is my best friend and I love him so dearly. I couldn't imagine my life without him in it, but I'm so scared that if I say something, it will ruin our friendship and I'll lose him. Do I keep it safe and not say anything or do I full send it and tell him how I feel? So here's what I think about the whole ruin our friendship trope. What is your end goal? Do you want to just collect guy friends? Because if you do, then maybe ruining the friendship should take priority or not ruining the friendship should take prior priority. Do you want to fall in love? Okay, then who cares? Who cares about the friendship? When you find the love of your life, are you hoping that you've like kept all your guy friends around? I say this as someone who very much valued my friendship with guys. And I said it all the time. I just don't want to ruin our friendship. Guess what? 
they got married and had four kids and we haven't spoken since 2013. So again, who cares? As far as this guy, Alex goes, I would be lying if I didn't say that his behavior kind of weirds me out. I don't love when guys do all of these romantic things and then don't initiate a conversation about possibly being romantically involved. To me, it just screams, have your cake and eat it too. Like, why isn't he pushing for more? He calls you sexy and says how much he values you and wants to spend time with your family and friends. Here it is. I say, bring it up. And if his immediate reaction is not, oh my gosh, let's date right now, then big red flag. Guys who act like that are wanting the validation and the dopamine of a relationship without ever having to commit or try. So if he's in, I'm in. But if he's not in, we write it Dawn. All right. Next up, she says, how do you deal with a parent that disapproves of your partner? My partner and I love each other and understand each other and make each other happy. But my dad will call me up and tell me about young men that he has met at work, golfing, et cetera, that he really likes and wants me to get to know. When I say that I'm already dating, like he needs a reminder, he says, we'll see. I don't know what to do. My immediate reaction is to block him. But if there's another way, that would be preferable. Love you. Well, I love you too, first of all. Now let's get into this one. So I think that you should probably get to the bottom of why your dad doesn't like your partner because he could have really genuine concerns. And I think that it wouldn't hurt to see things from his perspective. However, he could be having a hard time letting go of you. In that case, you kind of just have to keep moving forward. If it is just a case of not wanting to let you go, then I feel like it's always beneficial to just sit the person down and have a conversation with them. Like just sit your dad down and talk to him about that. But dealing with feelings is a relatively new concept for people in older generations. Don't come for me. It's true. It's true. Ask your parents or your grandparents if they knew anybody who went to therapy when they were their age. They'll probably say they knew like four people that went to therapy and they all had severe mental illnesses or like severe trauma. Everybody goes to therapy now. I don't know anybody who's not in therapy. And I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. We are better at talking about our feelings than generations before us. I really do believe that. I just think we're better at being vulnerable. We're more open-minded. We're more aware of our happiness and our mental health. And I'm going to pat us on the back for that. Sometimes, would would life be easier if we just all ignored our feelings? Yeah, I mean, probably, but then nothing would get fixed and we would just pass this down to our children forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So I think that sitting down with your dad, having an honest conversation, making sure that he knows that he can express things to you, but then encouraging him to be receptive to what you have to say, I think that that is probably the most healthy way to go. You could also do the unhealthy thing, which is not talk about it, keep dating your partner, and never talk to your dad and just hope things work out, which is what many, many, many of us have done. But you're more evolved than us. You can do better. And it's always best to have the conversation. You know that that is one of my life rules. Have the conversation. Doesn't matter how hard. It's always, I have yet to encounter a situation that has benefited from not communicating. All right. The next question we have for Dr. Maddie, which is, me. How do I nail a job interview? I feel so honored that you asked me this. I have had a lot of jobs in my life. My very first job was working at a craft warehouse. I I packaged crafts, which was actually an incredibly fun job. (laughs) 
And I really liked my coworkers too. So I liked that job. I worked at Michael Kors. Oh yeah. I worked at the Michael Kors outlet at the outlet mall. I had a lot of restaurant jobs, a couple call centers. I had my my job in DC, which you guys all know about because I talk about it a lot. And then my last job, yeah, was another restaurant job. I was a barista. So I have done a lot of job interviews and I find nothing more satisfying than walking out of a job interview knowing that you nailed it. So here are some things. I wrote down some things that I used to do when I was in my job search years. Number one, walk into the room smiling. I learned this from our queen, Lauren Conrad. She said anytime she goes to a party, she always makes sure that right when she walks in the door, she's smiling. So I try to do that because Lauren Conrad does it. So walk in smiling. I feel like smiling also like can cover nerves. It can make you look excited and relaxed and easy to talk to. I just think go in smiling. Number two, be honest, but not too honest. So share your weaknesses, but like not your real weaknesses. Like when they say, when they ask that question, you know, what are your weaknesses? You don't need to say, I have debilitating anxiety. No, you phrase it like, well, I'm a worrier and I like to make sure things are in order. (laughs) That's always how I phrased it. Nailed everyone. I like to also ask questions to the person like, okay, what does the day-to-day look like here? What do you like about working here? Um, did the person I'm replacing quit or what happened there? I don't know if that's too intrusive. Maybe, maybe it's not. But also I think that asking like relatively personal questions is always good. Like, oh, that's like noticing something about the person interviewing you and like connecting to them on that front. And then you always got to slip in a joke or two. You got to leave them laughing. As I am saying this list, is this exactly what dating is like? Did I just give you guys the greatest dating advice of your life? Come in smiling. Be honest, but not too honest. Ask questions. Wow, this is exactly how to date. I didn't even know. So that, my friends, is how you nail a job interview or a human being. Thank you. All right, next up, we've got how do you not compare yourself to your peers who found success very early in life? Well, first up, you got to look at what you're comparing yourself to. Is it their success? What is their success? What do you want your success to be? Is their success somehow taking away from yours? Did I need to say success 400 times in that sentence? I don't know. But I would say it's highly unlikely that their success is somehow taking away from yours. And I mean, just to to be totally honest, to just keep it it real with you, I have not found any benefit to comparing myself to people. And I have just decided that I'm not going to spend any part of my day doing something that I don't like or that makes me sad. And comparing myself to people has literally gotten me nowhere. Never. It's never encouraged me to try harder. It's never motivated me. Like it has only brought me sadness and shame. So, okay, this is a weird thing that I do. And I honestly don't know if it's going to be helpful, but (laughs) sometimes when I'm having like an intrusive thought like that or obsessing over somebody else's career or their successes or whatever it may be, sometimes I will just like yell in my head, like really loud something else so that I can't hear my other thoughts. So like if I'm worrying like, oh, she, you know, has a podcast and is doing really well and blah, 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 and mine sucks and I'm not going to do that. 
I will just, sometimes I just start to scream saying Blink-182 in my head, and then I can't even let in another thought. Nothing else can even sneak in because I have Blink-182 playing in my head at full volume. And maybe this is not helpful. I mean, granted, I gave a disclaimer at the beginning that this advice was borderline at best, but I just hate when people are like, how do you stop comparing yourself to, to others? And then the advice is like, just believe in the magic of yourself. Like, that's not helpful. I want a thing that I can do. And you, my friend, can scream sing Blink-182 when those thoughts come into your brain. I have trained my brain to be a no-fly zone for thoughts of comparison because straight up, I don't like it. I don't find it to be a good time. And I want to fill my brain with things that are fun. And comparison is not one of them. Also, just rest assured that there's always going to be somebody better than you, somebody smarter than you, funnier than you, prettier than you, whatever, more successful, richer, which is a huge bummer, especially for somebody like me who can uh, lean towards a little bit self-aggrandizing, if you will. Hate the fact that people are better than me at stuff, but I don't even think about it. You want to know why? Because I'm singing Blink-182 in my mind. No other thoughts can enter. So chill out. You're doing a great job. There's probably somebody else looking at you, comparing their stuff to yours and thinking, oh, I'm never going to be able to be as good as they are or as pretty as they are. So it's, it's really just a big mind F word. I won't say it for the sake of your small children who are probably in the car right now and also my mom who is probably listening. I, I won't say it, but I think you guys can all uh, fill in the blanks of what I'm trying to say. You get it. You're doing fine. Shut up. All right, next. She says, how do I stay true to myself and my opinions around others who are critical? This question is one that I unfortunately very much empathize with. This last year especially, I've had a crash course in how to be okay with people not liking my choices or opinions. My experience is as follows, okay? The times in my life where I felt the most susceptible to others' opinions or insecure about what people might say about my choices were the times that I myself didn't know exactly what I wanted. I was making decisions that weren't 100% what I wanted to do or like 100% true to myself, I guess you could say. I was trying to fit, you know, kind of a certain mold that I didn't even really like. And that was hard. It was hard to realize that the mold everybody else was fitting into and enjoying was just not fitting me. And then to come to the realization that I also didn't even really like it. So I started to make decisions based on no one else, not one other person, not even Matt. I made sure that deep down to my very core, I really believed in what I was doing. And that felt indestructible. It still does. I am really careful with my decisions and my opinions, not because I care what other people say about them, but because I care about them being 100,000% sincere. The better you feel about your decisions, the less it matters what other people have to say about them. Honestly, I've had and sometimes have a really hard time when I know that people are not okay with my decisions or opinions. I know that they're not everybody's cup of tea, even people that I'm close to. But there is a very real sense of pride that comes along with knowing that I chose this thing for myself with my own brain, with my own abilities. And that's very freeing. And with that has come the most freeing feeling of all. Do you want to know what the feeling is? It's I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what people think about my opinions 
or my decisions. I don't care because me, myself, and I, aka all my best friends, really like them. So that kind of goes back to what I said. I think it was in my year one episode where I talked about making decisions alone. And I think that that's part of it is that you have to just isolate yourself and really decide what it is you want, what it is you think. And then when you decide that and you feel it like in your bones, you're going to have the feeling of I don't care. And I don't care is the best feeling of all. I mean, obviously in this situation, there are some situations you should care, but what other people think of you, not one of them. All right, let's let's lighten up a bit, shall we? Well, I don't even know if this is light because I felt some rage when I read it. My hair lady never gets my hair to where I want it. She says that it will get to where I want. It's just some highlights, nothing crazy, with every wash. Is that normal? It's pricey to get your hair done, and I would like it to look like what I want it to when I leave the salon. Should I get a new hair lady or what? All right, everybody. Are we going to talk about it? Are we going to talk about this unwritten rule in society? The unwritten rule that is you must die for your hair lady? Because according to my brain, women are more likely to kill their husbands than switch their hair lady. And I'm here to tell you, life is too short, man. Sometimes you don't jive with your hair lady, and that's totally fine. I understand being a good client and tipping well and showing up on time and not canceling last minute and all of that. But if the person you're paying for your service is not tickling your fancy, I don't see any reason to stick around. You can be selfish with that. It's okay. I am giving all of you permission to find a new hair lady if you don't like the one you're with now. It's okay. You don't have to rebook. You can just say, yeah, I'll schedule online or I'll text you and then find somebody else. Getting your hair done is so, so expensive. It is, I mean, it's fine because I understand that these women go to school and they're really good at what they do. But if you're going to spend all of that money, then you want to make sure it's worth it. So it's fine. I'm, I'm giving you permission. If you need a new hair lady, if you need a new nail lady, if you need a new esthetician, just find somebody that does what you want. It's fine. Like not every single hairstylist in the world is going to do exactly what you like. And it's fine to try out a few before you find somebody that you want to stick with. Also, hair ladies like double as your second therapist. So you want to make sure it's a good fit. All right, here we go. Next up, she says, Dear Dr. Maddie, I am 22 and recently got divorced. It's a good thing he was really mean and we were way too young. And I downloaded some dating apps. Note that I felt emotionally divorced long before everything was legally finalized. So after a year and a half plus of being, for all intents and purposes, single and mostly very lonely, I don't think it's unfair to want to date around a bit. But I'm getting flack from my friends and family. Didn't your divorce just get finalized? You're not ready to date yet. Just let yourself be footloose and fancy free. Yes, that last one was from my grandma. LOL. So to be a little more direct, I suppose my main question for you is, should I trust the people who know and love me most and stay single and not date and just enjoy being single? Should I stay single and do date but not get anything, not get into anything committal? Is it horrible that I downloaded Tinder literally a week after the divorce was legally finalized? Everything feels weird and shitty and kind of arbitrary, and I would really appreciate one of your delightful wisdom pearls. Love that. Love a wisdom pearl. I'm going to do my very best for you. All right. So do I think it's selfish? Absolutely not. I think that we tend to label anything that's for ourselves as selfish, but I think truly selfish things are when you're doing something for yourself while hurting someone else. I think that's what selfish is. It's not just doing something you want to do. It's okay that you want to date, but based on the info I have, 
I feel like a period of healing would be good. Maybe. I don't know. The people who know and love you, of course, want you to take care of yourself. And they may have some really valid points. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you want to do. Also, you're 22, which means you're in prime fun years. For the record, I consider the ages of 21 to 95 the prime fun years. I haven't been divorced. Well, yet. But I imagine after that happens, there's some time of kind of putting yourself back together. So I just say, be wary of diving into something. Find, have fun, go out, live your best whole life, but don't do anything that could possibly hurt your personal progress. I also find it very brave that you want to do that, that you still have the desire to, and that you're being so um, resilient. I'm very, very proud of you. Here's the thing. If Matt ever leaves me, let me tell you guys my plan. I will move to the English countryside, okay? Change my name, probably gain a bunch of weight. And then I'm going to run a dairy farm. That's what I'm going to do. Honestly, Matt might not even have to leave me for that to happen. I might just do it anyway. But I'm going off the grid. I will live off cheese and butter that I make myself with my best friend, Cow, and nobody will see me ever again. So if I disappear one day, just know that's probably where I am and don't come looking for me. All right, next up. She says, okay, I had been talking to this guy for about three months and I was under the impression that we were almost to the make it official that we're dating phase. He had asked if he could come home with me. This is where he met my family, extended family, and my best friend, which is a huge deal to me. He had come home with me multiple times, and because of this, I was under the impression that we were pretty much dating. Well, the next week rolls around, and I found out he's been talking to another girl the entire time while doing things with me. I finally get the courage to ask what the deal is, and he proceeds to friend zone me. I was devastated. But he and I got so close during that time, and I consider him a close friend, so despite everything, we still talk every day. Girl, no. And after a month, I feel like I'm finally getting over him. But he has started to invite me to hang out with him and this other girl who he is dating now, which makes me feel super awkward and only wanting to hang out with me when I'm going on trips with my family, meaning he's inviting himself on my trips. Wait, hold on. I need to read that again because that cannot be what I'm what I'm thinking it is. He has started to invite me to hang out with him and this other girl who he is now dating, which makes me feel super awkward and only wanting to hang out with me when I'm going on trips with my family meaning he's inviting himself on my trips. I don't know if I should continue the friendship, even though I feel like he's just mooching at this point because we're so close, or if I should let it fizzle out. What? Hold on. I literally might need to read this again because this cannot be the standard that we're aiming for. This cannot be a guy you want to hang out with, right? I'm being punked because I sure as hell raised you better than to think that is an acceptable way for a human man to act. The only solution I can think of is that he's 15. Are you dating an eighth grader? Because if you're not, then this dude has got to go. I mean, really. First, he friend zones you. After you took him on a trip, then he continues to ask you to hang out with him and his new girlfriend, and he only comes around when you're going on a trip with your family? Babe, the flags are crimson red. I mean, it is hard for me to think that this dude has any redeeming qualities. What a terrible personality trait to use people to go on trips when you have a girlfriend. Can you imagine how pissed you would be if your boyfriend was still talking to a girl that he had liked in the past because her family is going on a vacation and he wants to go? Ew. Ew. 
you don't want that guy as a boyfriend. You don't want that guy as a friend. You don't even want that guy as a butler. This dude sucks. Ugh, gross. Sorry about how heated I just got. I actually terrified my cat in the middle of that rampage. I just want you guys to take better care of yourselves. Don't want you to be putting up with dudes like that. Still holding out for the fact that he might be 15. If somebody could keep me posted on that, if you submitted the story, please let me know. Okay, that's all we have time for today. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for listening to me, for accepting me and all of my emotions. This one was a roller coaster. I'll admit it. We had some highs, we had some lows, but we came out in the end together. And that's all that matters. All right. If you haven't yet, please, 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 pretty please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and a review. That would be amazing. I would love you till the end of time. And follow me on Instagram at the bad broadcast. Tag me if you listen to the episode, put on your story, whatever, whatever you feel like. Shoot me a DM. I love to chat and I will see all of you next Monday. Same time, same place. I love you all so much. Be safe, be kind, be hot. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.